0: Well, I'm reluctant to do this because I don't want to lose half my audience. But time to dismiss our elementary and any of our teenagers who are in the room onto your classes. I'm gonna have to check my breath looking at the front rows here. Um, well, and our kiddos are leaving. Uh, Just a reminder that after uh, I I speak, we are going to have a time of community prayer. Uh, We try to do that once or twice a month. Uh, If you are not familiar with community prayer, it's just like it sounds, where we will give our community the opportunity to lift up a prayer concern, uh, share something that they're encouraged or excited about, and share those things uh, to our community so that we can pray today and then even beyond for the things that are uh, important to us. Well I want to tell you about the height of my mathematics career. Uh, it came in the third grade and uh, the multiplication test. You see in Mr. Dixon's class uh, we would be given a hundred prompt little questionnaire with uh, six times six, eight times four, three times six, whatever it is right. And so this challenge was who could complete the multiplication set the fastest and accurately and so boom the gun starts all of us 30 kids or so we're we're to it it's going to take two minutes or less at least for us smart ones right and uh, boom i finish it submit it first feeling really good about myself not sure if i got it 100 percent correct but definitely there's no arguing i turned it in first and so everybody else the dumb kids at about three minutes or whatever they turn theirs into and then the next day We're all excited to go to mr Dixon's class to figure out who was the winner, okay? Gives out all the tests and then there's two tests with no name and I don't have mine So I know that obviously I forgot to put my name on it and neither of it did Jamie Perez and so Jamie and I start doing the walk of shame up to the class But Jamie, to his credit, was ahead of me. And to Jamie, quickly saw that one was 100% 100 correct, and it wasn't his. But he got there, filled out his name on the one that said 100% correct. He's seeing himself as the victor. And I'm like, this is not right. Mind you, I'm in third grade, but very just in my thinking. And then I go, Jamie, write a number seven on the board. He goes up writes a seven did you see what i just did seven and i knew i had them and i go well that's not how i do my sevens <laughs> and i proved that i was the winner so not only was i first it was hundred percent correct and ever since then downhill when it comes to math well, as Miriam told you that uh, beyond the third grade in our family, uh, math is a little bit difficult. We are in this series we're calling Faith Algebra, and the theme comes from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And it says this, make every effort to add to your faith, right? This idea, the idea of adding, that we need to cultivate and continue adding to our faith. The passage is going to describe here in a moment what that looks like. Another story, in high school, I took uh, algebra twice, right? Some would think, well, the dumb guy probably didn't pass it the first time. That's not true. I passed algebra the first time with a C minus. I cheated the entire way through and got a C minus, which only shows that I wasn't really smart when it came to cheating. But I did realize that I probably should understand the basics of algebra. So I took it again the entire next year, worked my tail off, and I got a C- again, which my parents were so proud at how hard I worked, right? So math is not a strong suit for me. Back to this verse about adding to our faith. It says this, make every effort to add to your faith. And I want to point out that first part of the passage, make every effort to add to your faith. Because I think what's going on here is the writer, the the Apostle Peter, is saying, hey, this is really important, what I'm getting ready to tell you. Possibly even life-changing. So you may want to pay attention to what I'm getting ready to tell you. I got some good stuff for you. And so here's the context of what's going on. This is the Apostle Peter coming to the end of his life. It's about... 30 to 40 years since Jesus was on the scene and so three or four decades later Peter's life he sees it coming to a close and so he's beginning to reflect upon his own faith He's beginning to reflect on his ministry and the impact that he's had on the lives of so many people And so he's starting to boil down if I had one or two remaining things to say what would it be and this is his message and to paraphrase a little bit these first couple of verses, it's this Peter saying, guys, guys, I want to tell you this, that God has given us everything that we could possibly need to live a fruitful, meaningful, and godly life. It's as if he's saying, yes, God is good, and yes, I want you guys to know, be confident in this, that, that God is going to make good on the promises that he has made for us. And do you want to know a secret? You want to to be let in on the action? Because it's really not even a secret at all. But let me tell you, let me give you some advice that's going to help you in such a way that you don't go stumbling through life, as the scripture says. And so Peter offers these seven virtues built on the foundation of faith to prevent us from ruining our lives. And these, these virtues are kind of a ladder. They, they build on one another, and they, and they complement each other. And these, they, they, they begin from the seeds of faith, those, those little seeds of faith that get planted into our lives, and these virtues begin to grow, 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 and the scripture says they culminate in a, into a life of love. And engaging these virtues, it it gets you off of the sidelines and it gets you into the action, into the game where life is being lived, where God is at work. And so it's as if he's saying, hey, if you want to live a life of meaning, listen to these words. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance Thanks be to God. Well, last week, um, Miriam focused on goodness, and then goodness leads uh, here to knowledge and then knowledge to self-control. And so let's ask the question, what is knowledge? A simple definition that I think we'll all agree with is this, that knowledge is, is basically the accumulation of facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through their experiences and their education. I can accept that. But when we look at it from a biblical perspective, when we read about knowledge, the the knowledge that Peter is talking about here, there's a little bit more to it. Biblical knowledge, also known as in the Greek gnosis, describes knowledge as wisdom and discernment that allows followers of Christ to live God-honoring lives. It just implies that there's a, a greater level of spiritual depth to the type of knowledge that Peter is discussing. I believe we know a lot of stuff, right? I think we all know a lot of stuff and we have instant access to incredible amounts of information, right? We have these phones. The amount of information that we can get from our phones almost instantly is incredible. We have access to so much knowledge. But a psychologist from UCLA described our culture as being information rich but relationally starving. Just think about that for a second. As you think about our culture, does that make sense? Are we information rich, but relationally starved? I think that's a fair assessment of our culture. And so what does it look like to cultivate more knowledge and discernment and wisdom into our interior faith lives? And so I would suggest this, become a student again, When was the last time you prioritized going to a deeper place in your spiritual life? When was the last time you made a commitment to learning and growing as a disciple? When was the last time you thought, oh, I have this question, or I have this significant doubt, or I have a passion around this thing, and and I want to begin exploring that in deeper ways. And I think what happens when we do that, when we give our per, per, ourselves permission to be a student, to be a, a learner, it reminds us that, that we aren't experts. And then it also allows us to go into those places that really unlock our minds. And then what we begin to see is that God, God is mysterious and he is incredible. So how do we cultivate knowledge? We also, it's time to to be more intentional about finding some master teachers and maybe they don't have to actually carry that title. That would be kind of weird, but connecting your life and spending time with other people that you discern as being wise, discerning, knowledgeable people. And maybe even just quickly right now, does, does somebody come to your mind that you just go, man, they really possess. A depth of wisdom that I respect that that I find myself uh, Gravitating towards them when I'm in their presence because they just have so much to offer and maybe it's somebody You know, there's other ways to to have a master teacher Maybe it's an an author or a a pastor or a preacher somebody else in your in in your life that you're aware of that that you can remotely study underneath them for me It's an author named uh, Richard Rohr I've never met Richard Rohr, but I've read so many of his books, and oftentimes I go back and allow him to continue being my guide, my master teacher. And the last is this. Maybe you need to spend some more time with smarter people. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, I'm sure you know lots of smart people, but, but that we would be intentional about Uh, Spending time with other people that like us, they want to go to deeper places in their spiritual lives. And and then spending time with those people and and creating the intentional times of exploring and talking about the things that are important to you. And I think when we do that, when we become a student, when we allow ourselves to be humbled and and taught by other people who have more experience than us, and when when we gather around other people who are like-minded, I think that is when, The seeds of knowledge begin to take root and build up in our lives and we have been studying this from from peter's teaching but the apostle paul i mean he he hits this theme constantly as well in ephesians 5 he says this be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. And then in Philippians, Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, from the seeds of faith comes goodness. Goodness leads to knowledge, and knowledge brings us to self-control. And we'll close with this. Are you familiar, I'm sure many of you are, with the famous marshmallow test? This is one of my favorite studies, and it was first brought to my attention by Uh, Maisie Robinson, I know many of you know Maisie. She's a a therapist in the Atlanta area, also one of the primary drivers of Cultivate, ministry to predominantly women in kind of the North Atlanta area. She referenced this um, years ago. And in the marshmallow test, young children are given one marshmallow, typically put in front of them, just a little bit out of their grasp, and they are told that if they are able to wait uh, a certain amount of time while they're alone, they don't know that they're being filmed, there's a little camera, that if they wait for a certain amount of time by themselves, that they will be rewarded with an additional marshmallow. And so, if you watch these videos, you can see these kids, and uh, as time grows on, it just becomes unpalatable. And and, and sometimes the kid will take the, you know, lick the marshmallow, take a little nibble out of it, put it back, eat it entirely. And then you'll have some kids who they have enough enough self control where they will wait and then they'll be rewarded with the additional uh, marshmallow. Uh, The real reason why this test is famous, beyond just the kind of cute videos uh, that it produces, is that it it shows the ability to wait for delayed gratification in order to receive a bigger reward. And this has been associated with uh, a range range of of, uh, positive outcomes, like uh, uh, the ability to handle stressful situations better. From a biblical perspective, uh, self-control, it's a little bit more involved. Uh, From a biblical perspective, uh, self-control is considered mastery over our sinful human desires in every aspect of life. And I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty uh, high bar for us to, to get to. I do think it is incredibly important to understand that we have two very different types of self-control available to us and i want to describe them there is a a human-fueled self-control which is a combination of our discipline and our willpower and i think we all agree and see the value of being disciplined and, and having willpower to the best of our ability But if you are like me, you constantly fail. That you have good intentions and you may be able to be disciplined and and summon some willpower for a duration of time. But oftentimes, you fail. Peter knows this too. And from his own personal experience, he knows that no matter how disciplined, how strong-minded and committed we are, he knows that we are often going to fail and we are always going to need help and so he reminds us that our self-control can be supercharged by calling upon the power of the holy spirit who dwells within us and so we must tap into god's spirit for the support and desire that we have for our lives this supercharged self-control and again quoting the apostle paul he says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. It's as if he is saying, if you possess these virtues, including Holy Spirit fueled self control, then that is all you are going to need in this life. And that's what we acknowledge when we come to the table of grace as you see it set here before us, when we come to receive the bread and the cup of life. Communion is our way of acknowledging before God and and before our community of faith that often we are unwise people and we don't seek after knowledge. We are often people who are living out of control, not self-controlled. Communion is our confession of faith expressing that we cannot do life on our own simply with our own capabilities and abilities. We're not smart enough on our own. We are not disciplined enough on our own. We do not possess enough willpower to prevent us from failure. And so we come to the communion table set before us. It, it, It makes things right. It orders our lives, and it becomes the foundation by which we can claim the supercharged power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives and so in a moment after we sing a song we share our prayer requests we're going to come to the table of grace and so i encourage you to do so in a spirit of reflection seeking the divine knowledge of god and a willingness to embrace the spirit of god who resides in each and every one of us to claim that power to live fully charged lives so that we can be made into the image of christ would you pray with me holy spirit we give you thanks for the table before us lord we thank you for um, the wisdom that we find in scripture father we confess that we are we are trying really hard that we love you Uh, but lord our lives are complicated often we fail Lord, we want to know you deeply we want our lives to be changed and molded by our understanding of you Lord, we want our lives to be in right relationship with you. We want to um, uh, live lives separate from sin. Lord, we want to live lives that glorify you. Would we be willing to, with bravery and courage, uh, uh, follow after you, knowing that you have good things for us in store. We pray this in Christ's name.